and help them. So, um, but this is what the Bible instructs us to do when we face events like Hurricane Ida. In James chapter 1, it says, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And I don't know about you, but that's the last thing I want to hear when I'm facing an event like a hurricane is consider a pure joy. Yet the Bible tells us, that's, and, and, and he's speaking, when he's talking to brothers and sisters, who, who is it that, that the Bible's talking? He's talking to Christians, to us here, that, and trials are going to come. They, they come, they are part of life. Things are going to happen that we don't expect. And the Bible tells us to consider it nothing but joy. That's, that's so contradictory to our mindset of what we think of when we think of facing something that's difficult or unexpected or extremely hard. And I know for me, it's easier said than done. I can read that verse and I can say I believe that, but to actually live that when we face uh, trials is extremely, extremely difficult. But the Holy Spirit inside of us gives us the joy of the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength, not, not the joy of my circumstances. I'm not, I'm not excited about my circumstances necessarily, but I'm excited because I have the joy of the Lord. And my circumstances can't take that away from us. So, so the Bible tells us to consider a pure joy. Why does the Bible say that? Because just what, what James says here, it's, it's, producing, it's producing a work in us. And I believe that God, and I know in my life this is true, that God takes trials and, and, and things in our life that aren't easy, and he uses those to create and produce character and shape and, and, and mold and make the person I am today. And, and it would not be possible without trials. So, so a Christian can look at a trial different than an unbeliever can because we know God is doing something special. He's creating something. He's teaching us. He's changing us, you know, whatever it is he's doing, God is doing something good for us. So many, um, many prominent church leaders and Christians, I recall this after Hurricane Katrina, and, and it is ironic that, that Ida did make landfall the same date as Hurricane Katrina did 16 years ago, and of course, um, many of us or some of us in this congregation were living in St. Bernard Parish, which, which St. Bernard, you know, when they were the complete, we, we were wiped out Totally, and I remember a lot of prominent Christians and church leaders attributing Katrina and as as God's way of punishing New Orleans because of the sin of New Orleans, because of the sin of the city. And um, you know, and I listened to that, and I I just really, in my spirit, I just didn't really have a a peace or a connection that that was really accurate. And because um, other places got devastated, I mean, like Saint Bernard Parish was probably devastated more than New Orleans was, yet they were attributing the storm to, to, the, to the sin of New Orleans. So after Hurricane Ida came, you know, I began to think that many times when, when storms come or, or uh, things come that God does in our lives or in our community, that's, that's a negative thing. A lot of times, and, and even Christians do this, the first thing we try to do is think of an excuse of why God did that. And as we try to attach it to a, to, to a reason, like, okay, th this event happened, so this was why it happened. There, you know, there was, a, there, was a, there was a reason why God did this. You know, God is punishing us for something every time something bad happens. 
And, um, and I, I just happen to disagree with that premise. I, I don't believe that that's accurate, and I don't believe it's biblical. Now, that doesn't mean that when we, when we do something that we, that we know is sinful, that, that is not going to be a consequence for our sin. In other words, if I decide to go get drunk one night and get behind the wheel of an automobile, there's a very good chance I'm probably going to get in an accident. So that was a consequence of the decision I made to drink alcohol, to get drunk, you know, whatever. So those, I'm not discounting that, but just to paint a broad brush and say, every time some negative event happens in, our, in the world or in, in our life, it's necessarily di tied directly to God punishing us. I, I don't agree with that. I, I disagree with that. And I believe that there's scriptures in the Bible that support uh, my position. So one of them is in Matthew chapter 5. It says, but I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So the Bible says when we love our enemies and we love those who persecute us and love those who hate us, we are placing ourselves on God's side. Because the Bible says God also makes the rain fall and the sun shine on the good and the bad. And, and, also. and then John chapter 9, um, verses 2 to 3 there was a story of, of the disciples that when, when Jesus was, was, was healing a man or there was a man that was, that was born blind, it says in verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. For this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So right there we see the disciples doing, I believe, what many Christians do. As soon as something bad happens, what's the first thing that we say? It's because of sin or it's because of evil or something bad that someone did that God did. What did Jesus tell, tell the disciples? This man wasn't born blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned. This man was born blind that God might be glorified. Now how was God going to be glorified in that man's blindness? Jesus did a miraculous healing in his life. And God got the glory because that was like something that they had never seen before, that someone could open the eyes of someone born blind. But perhaps the most compelling argument um, can be made in the book of Job. And, and, and y'all know this, the, the story of Job. He was an upright, blameless, righteous man, the Bible says. And if you read the story, um, after Job had received all of the, the, the thing, all the, everything that he had lost, his three friends had come to console and to comfort him, but there, there wasn't much consoling or comforting going on. All those three friends were really doing was pointing the finger, and the whole time, if you read the rest of the story of Job, they were blaming Job for what God had done. That, that's what they were doing. They, they were taking that same position that many of us do, that, well, surely, if all of these things have happened in your life, Job, there must be some hidden or secret sin that you have done. So you read the discourse, and you read the, the, the rest of the book of Job, and then God just sits back patiently and lets those, those friends in Job have their conversations back and forth. And then the Bible says at the end of Job, then the Bible says God spoke. <laughs> In other words, now God, it's almost like, be quiet now. Now I'm going to tell you what's really going on here, and I'm going to explain to you what's really, what, what I'm doing. And, and God spoke. 
And then in Job 42, Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. See, Job understood and came to the final conclusion, which was this, that God can basically do whatever God wants to do. In other words, just what is, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. In other words, God is under no obligation to explain or justify his actions. In other words, he's God. He, he doesn't need to go to another authority or another power. He is the higher. He is the highest power. He is the highest authority. He doesn't go and ask someone else for permission to do whatever he does or a reason to justify what he does. He's God. And God can do whatever God wants to do. So Job came, came, to, that, came to that conclusion. And um, so I've come to the conclusion in my life that every event does not need an explanation or a reason. If the Lord is God, he can do as he pleases. My job or role as a believer is to trust him. That's what God is asking us to do. And I titled today's message, Who Do You Trust? Who Do You Trust? And, um, you know, what if instead of trying to attach every event to a cause, we instead looked at God directing us to him? How would that change your perspective? Instead of every time an event happens, we try to sit back like we're going to explain to God why God did this and try to figure out what it was, why he did that. Instead of maybe sitting back and, 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 and analyzing that and saying, you know what, maybe God is using this event, this hurricane, this COVID, this, if you lose your job, whatever, maybe God is using that to draw us to him. To get, us to, to get us to concentrate and focus more on who he is. And I know in my life, that's what I believe God, God, God has done when trials and circumstances and things have come my way, that I believe in every one of them, God was always trying to get my attention turned back to him and, and focused on him. So um, I believe if we did that, that would change our perspective on trials. And we might actually begin to start thinking of them as joy, like that, God, you're doing something. You're, you're using this to show me to, to trust you, to turn to you, to come to you. So I believe the Lord is looking for complete allegiance and trust in him alone. In other words, God wants to bring us to a place where we trust in no one else and nothing else but him. That, that's, his, that's his desire and that, and that is his goal. And I believe that God is grieved when we place more trust in material things than we do in him. It grieves God that we've taken other things and placed more trust in them. And, you know, the Old Testament story of Moses in the Bible, when God chose Moses to go to Pharaoh in Egypt, and God said, I'm going to use you, Moses, to be the one to speak to Pharaoh to deliver my people from, from, from the bondage of Pharaoh, from Egyptian slavery. The first thing Moses said was, I, I can't do that. I can't speak. I don't, I don't have anything. God looked at Moses and, and he said, what is that in your hand? He said, it's a staff. God said, take the staff and throw it down. What did the staff do? It turned to a snake. Moses, the Lord said, Moses, pick it back up. He picked it back up and turned back to a staff. Moses didn't need anything. All he needed was God. God wasn't asking Moses to trust in Moses. He was asking him to trust in God. And that's what God, I believe, is asking us to do.
All Moses needed to do was be a vessel that was willing to trust in the Lord. So, and if you read the story, as he learned to do that, he witnessed amazing miracles, including parting the Red Sea and turning rocks into water. There was miraculous, miraculous miracles that, that Moses um, encountered because he finally yielded himself to say, I'm going to trust you, God, in this. So I want to look at a passage of Scripture, and this has been one of my the Scriptures I cling to in my life as a believer in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And many of you are probably very familiar with this with this scripture passage, but it's a small passage, but it's extremely powerful. And it's got a lot in here if we really analyze and look at what it is that the Bible is telling us here. And I believe it gives us insight and wisdom to navigate life's unexpected twists and turns. If, if we would cling to this scripture, I believe it would really give us, give us great hope and great insight. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not, do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So I just want to break this down for us today. And I just want, and you know, I'm looking at Hurricane Ida coming, but you know, some of you in here, you're facing a, a personal trial. The, you know, Ida was something that affected large communities at one time, but there might be something that you're looking at in your life personally that's a trial that no one else maybe no one else even knows about. That's your trial. And I want to speak this message to you this morning as a way to encourage you that God has made it possible for us to place our hope and our trust in him alone. That God is waiting and available for us to come to him and God will answer us if we will just, if we just turn to him. So the first thing I want to look at in the scripture, in verse 5 there, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the first thing I want to look at is trust in God is singular, it's not plural. Trusting in God is singular, it's not plural. That verse of scripture doesn't mention anything or anyone else but God. It says trust in the Lord, period. With all your heart, with all your energy, with all your being, with all your might. And you know the 2021 modern American Christian's definition of trust in God is this. I will trust him when I'm employed. I will trust him when I'm in good health. I will trust him when I have a good savings account. I will trust him when my 401k is secure. See, our trust is conditional. But the Bible mentions nothing about a conditional trust. We trust God unconditionally, that, that God is going to provide for me regardless of what my condition or my circumstance is. It doesn't matter. And we have done that as Christians. We have, and I call this, it's like we, we, we give ourselves a safety net and we have all of these things that we rely on, that we trust on in our, in, in our lives. And if all of those things are doing pretty good, then we take that and we look to God and say, God, now I can trust you. But it doesn't work that way. God doesn't need a safety net. God doesn't want a safety net. Those things aren't wrong, but they're wrong when they, when they supersede our trust in God. Do you follow what I'm saying? If you look at the Old Testament, they never had savings accounts. They never had FEMA. They never had life insurance or flood insurance or homeowner's insurance or none of those things. When Moses led the nation of Israel into the wilderness, guess who they leaned on 100%? It was God. They were in the wilderness walking around. They had nothing. But God, God provided for them. And I believe God wants to take us to a place 
where we trust only in him and him alone. And uh, so God doesn't need a backup plan. He is the plan. So what if life's trials were the Lord's way of removing things in our life that compete for his trust? What if God was allowing us to go through difficulties and trials to show us that we need to trust more in him and less than the things we depend on? I know for me and, and for my wife, we, you know, we, we were like everybody else. You worried about the grocery stores. You, you worried about the, 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 the gasoline at the, at, the, at the gas pumps and all these different things. And at the end of the day, yeah, we need those things, but who do I really need? I need the Lord. You know, and, and as Christians, we have, to keep, we have to keep those things in the right perspective. So God wants us to trust him. So at the end of everything else, all we are left with is him. That's what God wants us to take us to. So if you recall the conversation that Satan had with the Lord when, when, when he was asking God for permission to go and do everything he did, he did to Job, if you remember the conversation, what did, what did Satan tell God when he went to him? Because God said, have you considered my servant Job? When, 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 when Satan came to the Lord, he said, have you considered my servant Job? What did Satan tell God? He said, well, you have placed a hedge of protection around him. You, you've blessed him. You, you've given him all of these camels, all of these sheep. He's got beautiful children. The, his, he's, he's prosperous. He's wealthy. Every, everything he does is prosperous. Say, uh, he, say, Satan told the Lord, if you remove all of those things, I know for sure that Job will curse you to your face. That's, that, that's the deal that, that Satan made with the Lord, and guess what the Lord said? Do, do, do whatever you want to do, only spare his life. There was God gave Job permission to do everything that, 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 that God gave Satan permission to do everything that he did and what was the outcome? Job did not curse God. His wife wanted him to do it. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And guess what Job said? Are we just to accept good from God and not bad? That, there's so much wisdom in that. That's so wise. What a wise answer. And for us, you know, Hurricane Ida is bearing down on our coast. And we are like, you know, we don't want the storm to come here, but it's a bad thing. But we say, as a believer, can I say that in my heart? I'm only going to just accept. We never, no one's ever complaining when the good stuff's rolling in. When healing's coming and jobs are coming and savings is coming and all the good. No one's ever saying, God, stop, that's too good. But we're always ready to put the brakes on the bad stuff. That's something to learn from that response. But, but the cause, the, the storm caused us to be anxious. And my wife and I, we, we, we can relate to this. You know, gasoline and, you know, it was tragic. They were predicting that this was going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. If you read the story in Metairie, there was, there was, there was gas lines in Metairie and people were fighting and, and somebody evidently had, had cut in to the line where they were waiting for, for, uh, for gas. And the, one of the guys that was in line approached the person who cut in and the story said that the guy turned around, went back to his car and grabbed a gun, came back to the guy and shot the guy and killed him over gasoline. Who do you trust? They were putting their trust in gasoline. If I can't get gasoline, God is my trust. That's what God is wanting us to do. See, we fear, we fear not having enough. 
We fear not having enough food, not having enough water, not having enough insurance, and on and on and on and on. And whether we are willing to admit it, our anxiety is the result of a lack of trust in God. And, and it's hard for us to admit that because we're Christians. We trust God. We believe in God. We say that. But, but the test comes when you really need to trust him. It, it's easy to say when everything's going great, but when a hurricane comes or something happens, that's when God is testing us. He's, he's trying our faith. Is it, is it, is it really true? Is it, is, it, is it real? Is it sincere? That's when the testing comes. And God wants us to trust him and, tr and trust him alone. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, I love this scripture passage. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And look at the analogy that Jesus gives him. We've got to get the picture that Jesus was presenting to us here in this passage of Scripture. Jesus is telling us that God provides for the birds. In other words, and, and if you look at a bird, especially the little, the smaller birds, they are probably one of the most vulnerable creatures in all God's creation that God made. They are dependent on God for food. And the Bible says that God provides for them, that they, they, they are cared for. And, if, and, 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 and this may seem like, like it's joking, but birds don't have, they don't have insurance. They, they don't have grocery stores and, and stockpiles and all those different things. They, God provides for them. And then Jesus compares that to us. How much more is God going to provide for us it's almost like basically what Jesus is saying is you don't have nothing to worry about if you trust God. It's like there's zero things. See, it's hard for us to get to that place because we have so many other things that substitute our trust for God, me included. I'm there. I want to I get to a place where I'm not there, where God's all I need, that I'm solely trusting in him alone no matter what comes my way. That Think about that. that. That's hard for us, but that's the place God wants us to be. There was a song sung by Lono Harris, a, a, a Christian artist many, many years ago, called His Eyes on the Sparrow. And part of the lyrics was, When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Let, let that be a reminder. That just go outside and look at the birds. I'm being serious about this. This is the analogy Jesus Christ gave, the Son of God, that is telling us of God, if God, if they are cared for, they are provided for, they don't have, they're not employed, they have no job, they have no employer, they have no state, they have nothing. How much more does God care for us? God wants us to lean on Him, depend on Him, to trust Him and him alone. And then Proverbs says in this passage, it says, and do not depend, or some passages say, do not lean on your own understanding. And this part I want to look at is trust in the Lord requires leaning on his ways, not yours. 
See, this this is where trust becomes difficult because if I'm trusting in myself, I can kind of plot the things that I'm going to do. But if I'm trusting in God, I don't know where God's going to take me or what's going to come my way or what's going to happen. But that's what faith really is. What does the Bible say? We, we walk by faith, not by sight. I trust God. Wherever he leads me, whatever comes my way, whatever God allows to happen. Um, but this is the difficult part, is we don't know what God is doing or how he's going to do it, but I, but I trust him anyway. See, if God gave us the final outcome every time we had a difficult situation, that wouldn't require faith. That would be easy. It would be like, okay, I can do this. I know what's going to happen. Faith is trusting God, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. See, Job didn't understand what God was doing. He had no clue. And Job really did, I believe, have a right to be angry. He didn't really understand. He understood at the end of the, of, of the, of the book. But if you think about it, Job was upright. He was righteous. The Bible says that he even prayed for his children even if his children didn't sin, just in case there was something they did he didn't know about. He was blameless and upright. And God took everything away from him except his life. Even his health was removed from him. So obviously Job didn't know what it was that God God was up to. But what happened at the end of the story? God gave Job twice as much as he had in the beginning. Now, do you think in a million years Job would have ever dreamed, ever, ever, that that's how the story was going to end? No, I promise you. He wanted to die. He said, curse be the day I was ever born. He said, let, let, let that day be erased from memory. Let, let it be as if that day never existed. But God gave him back twice as much. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God is not a man. He is not bound by our limitations, nor is he restricted to think and act the way we do. I can't trust God and then expect God to act the way I act or to do it the way I would do it. It doesn't work that way. I can tell you in my life, almost everything that God has done for me has been the opposite of what I thought, the way I thought he was going to do it. In almost every situation, he, he, the, the outcome, what I was hoping, I, what, I, what I needed him to do happened, but, the, but the, way, the way I got there was not the way I would have did it. And I can tell you this, his way was better. His way was ten times better. All God wants us to do is trust him. See, when we were in, in St. Bernard Parish with Hurricane Katrina, Katrina didn't make any sense to me and my family. It made no sense. It was the community that, that I, I, this only place I ever lived was St. Was Bernard Parish. I graduated from, from high school there. My children were raised there. They went to school there. And to, to go back and look at your entire community destroyed, every building, every place you've ever been to, all, all those things, it didn't, it didn't make any sense. Our church building was destroyed, just like Brother Danny Knight's. Our, our, our church, our, our, our building was completely Destroyed all of our all of our members were dispersed. They were in other places, other states. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen. But look what God did. God God, God took that loss that, that that loss and turned it into a. He multiplied that, and now the tabernacle has three campuses, and we're believing for more campuses. But 
but we've got three campuses, and I look back at my life, and, and when after the hurricane Katrina came, I wanted to go back. I didn't care how bad it looked, how bad it smelled. I, I was born there. I, was right, I wanted to go back to Shelmet where I grew up. And, and then we, we would go back, and two of our children were still younger, and they, Joshua and Hannah were still in school, and Lori, we would go back, and I'm telling you, if you didn't go down there and see it after the storm, it was, it was unbelievable. And Lori would just start crying, and she'd be like, I can't, I can't do this. And I'm like, you know what? We, it's hard. It's hard. We, had, we had kids. So we, we ended up relocating. That's how we came to, to Covington. But for me, God was working out a plan for me. If Hurricane Katrina wouldn't have came, when Pastor Carl pioneered this church here in Covington, he asked my wife and I to be his associate pastors. Okay, if Hurricane Katrina when it came, I would have never been his associate pastor. And then now, praise God, I have the privilege of being the, the lead pastor here at this church. So, so God, see, God's doing all of those things like that, and we, we never see the final outcome. So what is God saying? Trust his ways, not yours. See, God is a lot smarter than you are, in case you haven't figured it out. And God actually knows what he's doing. Even if it doesn't look like it, he actually knows what he's doing. And he's taking everything and he's putting all of these pieces back together for us. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard it said like this, your setback might be God's setup in your life. He might be setting you up for something greater. So a, a setback might be some kind of greater comeback. In other words, he might be setting you back, but maybe he's setting you up for something great. The, the bottom line is this, that... God, God we, we trust God no matter what comes our way. No matter what in, in our life happens, I'm not sitting back trying to analyze it and figure it out and understand it and connect the dots and this is the cause, this is the event, and all this kind of thing. Forget all of that. God's God. I just say, I trust you, God. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But God, I trust you in, in this situation. So Ida to the natural man makes no sense. But God has not given us the mission to figure out why he does what he does. He has just given us the awesome responsibility to trust him, no matter what he does. That we're going to lean on him, we're going to trust him. Romans 8, 28, y'all are familiar with the scripture, says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We, we quote that scripture, we know that scripture, but do we really believe it? Do you believe that? And we know that all things, now, now, now you, you fill in the blank there in your life for the all things. God's taking all things, the Bible says, for us who love him. For the, this, is, this is speaking to the believer. For those who have surrendered to Christ, who trust, who trust God, God is saying for the believer, all things are working together for the good. That God is doing something. He's painting a picture. He's putting together a, a, like a puzzle. And it's going it's to be this beautiful portrait, this, this masterpiece that God's putting together. But it takes all of these things in our life to happen. Because why? Because God knows how they all fit together. And God's taking all of these things and he's making them work together for my good. See, I can trust a God like that. That's a God... That's a God that I can trust. Even when I don't understand the final outcome, I can trust him. And then verse 6 in this passage in Proverbs says, 
and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And the last thing I want to look at is trust in the Lord will never lead you in the wrong direction. See, this is the beautiful promise of this passage. And remember, um, promises, I believe, in the Bible are always attached to faith. Those, if you want to get the, 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 the reward, the reward of the promise, what do you have to do? You've got to exercise faith. I can't just read that scripture and say, man, that, that scripture sounds great. I love that. You've got to do it. That's what faith is. It's action. You, 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 put, you put God's word into action, and that is a demonstration of trust. And as I put it into action, then the promise is this, that God will never lead you in the wrong direction. And I can tell you this in my life, even as a Christian, when, I, when, I've, when I've wanted to do things my way, my path got real crooked. It got way off base. It got, it got like, it was like confusion and dark and, 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 and it, it didn't, didn't really make sense. But when I have always yielded to God and always yielded to his leaning and his direction, I can promise you this, God has never, ever one time led me in the wrong direction. He has always led me and made my path straight. And I know my wife can tell you this, and y'all have heard my wife's testimony. Many of you have heard this. And, and, and when, I, when her and I met, she had just came from a whirlwind of a life. I mean, just a complete upside-down world. And she had finally, God had, she had an encounter with God previously, but she had never really, I think, 100% just said, God, I'm giving you control now. This, my life is in your hands. And I know Lori would stand up right now and tell you from that moment on, not only was her path straight, her life was blessed. She was, she was, everything she touched, everything she did, God began to bless her, provide for her, protect her. I mean, it went, why? Because she made the decision to turn to God. God's word is true. God's word is true and it can, and it can be, it, it can be trusted. See, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. And, and this is why we see the world in the chaotic situation that it's in. Because men in positions of leadership, prime ministers and presidents and all these men, they are living their life and leading their nations in a way that seems right to them. But in the end, it leads to destruction. And that's what we're seeing in our world today. Men are leading men. They are not leaning on God. They're leaning on each other. And they're, lead, they're going in the wrong direction. Obedience and trust in the Lord will lead us to blessings in life. Amen. I'm going to ask Eli just to start playing that closing song that we had um, set up there. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord wants us to trust in him alone because he is all we need. You know, we were, we, we were talking with that uh, brother yesterday in Destrehan that we went and helped. He, and he had mentioned that he's got some connections with Brother David Hogan. And some of y'all know David Hogan. He's a, he's a missionary in Mexico. He's from the Louisiana area. And he'll come back a lot of times and minister to the churches in the south, southeast part of Louisiana. But, but he was talking, you know, about the place where they live in Mexico when someone gets injured or there's a there's a there's a, a need they don't have the ability to pick up the phone and call 911 and have an ambulance come to their rescue and take them to a hospital all they have is God and they believe that and they they are seeing uh, men and women being raised from the dead 
miraculous healings. And, you know, I wonder if sometimes the, the thing, and I'm not taken away from the things that we have because we are blessed with the, with the medical industry and all those things, but I wonder if sometimes those things stifle God's hand. That, that if, we are, if that's our first go-to, like the first thing I go to is what can, you know, what can man do as opposed to what, is, what can God do? That's the place God wants us at. And, you know, Hurricane Ida, yeah, it's not fun. That's not, it's not fun, especially people that, that have experienced more destruction than we have. It's miserable. But God is doing something. And I believe it's always God taking us and even the unsaved world and bringing them to a place of lowliness and humility that they would in turn look up to God. Where does your help come from, the Bible says? My help comes from the Lord. I look unto God where my help comes from. That's what God wants this world to do is turn to Him. Look to Him. Look to God, the Bible says. So what a beautiful scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge God in everything. In other words, what that is saying is give Him glory in all things. Acknowledge God in everything, in sickness and in health, in prosperity and in lack. Acknowledge Him in all things. And the Bible says that He, he will make your path straight.